chicken, Chinese, kebabs, and burgers. Welcome to the Million Dollar Landscaper Podcast. We're your hosts, Scott and Katie Mulchan, and we make it easy to start working on, not just in your landscaping business. We're a real couple that helped grow our family business to well over a million dollars in revenue. And now we help other landscaping business owners just like you to do the same. Are you ready to build your business? Let's get started. Welcome back to Million Dollar Landscaper Podcast. Now, have you ever considered or thought, you know what, I just need to kind of narrow my focus down, kind of niche down and just focus on only a couple items. You know, I've been trying to do everything for everybody and it's just hard. You know, it's hard with the branding. It's hard with the training and just trying to keep everything organized. It'd just be so much easier. I did just a few items. Well, that is exactly what we talked about today with Tim Cabesta of RC Mowers. RC Mowers are, it's really a unique mower. It's not like traditional lawn mowing for, for going out for your residential lawns or even commercial lawns. It is a mower that's designed to go through retention ponds and steep slopes and they're even coming out with new robotic mowers. So I'm excited to talk about that today with Tim. You do not want to miss today's episode. And before we hop in there, I just want to remind you, if you are a landscaper and you're just struggling trying to figure out what you need to charge for your work, you need to check out our Million Dollar Academy. Inside the Million Dollar Academy, we walk you through step-by-step on how to calculate what you need to charge exactly for your customers. This allows you to build your confidence to be able to present a proposal to a customer and they say, I need you to come down or I need you to give me a discount or something along those lines. You can walk away knowing that if you went less, you're going to lose money instead of saying, yeah, we can do that. You're just kind of guessing at that point. So I encourage you guys to go check out the Millionaire Academy today. We can help get you set up to make sure you're charging what you need to charge for your business. Just a quick word from our sponsors. The only app every landscaper needs, CompanyCam makes it dead simple to communicate, document, and problem-solve with guys in the field, no matter where you are. CompanyCam brings documentation, communication, and liability protection together in one simple, easy-to-use app for you and your entire team. Take unlimited photos and videos, share custom reports, create flawless before and afters, and even communicate and share progress with homeowners with galleries and project timelines, all from your smartphone. Company Cam, the only app every landscaper needs. Check it out at companycam.com slash million or in your app store. And on. Plus, you still need to do the actual work that pays your bills. Running your entire business with pen and paper alone is just hard and really plain messy. You know you need a better system to stay on top of everything so nothing falls to the cracks. Jobber is a mobile and online app that helps keep your business organized and looking more professional than ever. With Jobber, you can quote jobs, schedule your crews, send out invoices, accept payments online all in one place. You won't know how you ran your business without it. Jobber offers free one-on-one coaching to help get you started, and there's no software experience needed. Get paid on time, go paperless, and impress your customers. Try it for free today at getjobber.com forward slash MDL. This podcast is brought to you by Busy Busy. Busy Busy is so simple to use, and it's the most reliable GPS time tracking app on the market. And the best part is, it was built for landscapers. Busy Busy's founder created Busy Busy because he owns multiple construction companies and needed to understand better which projects were making him money and which projects were killing him. Payroll is the highest variable cost in the project, so you better be tracking it. Busy Busy does this better than anyone else. 
So download Busy Busy today, and don't forget to mention the Million Dollar Landscaper podcast to get three free months. We want to take a quick second to tell you about our friends over at Cycle CPA. I can't even express to you how important it is to have a good accountant on your side. You know you want accurate bookkeeping and financial statements every month. Instead, you're often left with limited time to focus on the accounting side of your business and no reports to show for it. At Cycle CPA, the landscaping accountants, they not only handle the bookkeeping, but also provide landscape industry benchmarking, job costing, financials by service line, advisory meetings, and much more. Cycle CPA has a team of landscaping accountants available to provide anything from bookkeeping to CFO services. Visit CycleCPA.com and for $100 off, mention the Million Dollar Landscaper podcast. If you want to get the lead you want and turn your current clients into raving fans, then you need to try SendGym. They've created an exclusive offer just for our listeners. If you sign up today, you can get your first month for just $2. So if you haven't already, go to sendgym.io forward slash MDL, where you can get even more exclusive deals just for Million Dollar Landscaper podcast listeners. That's sendgym.io forward slash MDL and take advantage of these awesome deals today. Welcome back to Million Dollar Landscaper Podcast. Now, today I'm excited to bring on Tim Cabesta of RC Mowers. Welcome, Tim. Thanks for being on the show. Uh, good morning. So I'm excited to have you on here today. You have gone through and transformed a bunch of different organizations. You're a motivational leader. So I'm excited to have you on today because we're going to talk a little bit about, obviously, what you do and everything, but we're going to talk a little bit about niching down or niching down, some people call it different things, but sure. I'm really excited to have you on to talk about this. So you mind starting off, just tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do and how you got into it? Sure. Yeah, I'm not going to share my whole background because it can be a little long and boring, but sales and marketing are my strength and not just specifically closing deals, but building systems and people to you know capture revenue, grow the business, things like that. I've worked in equipment manufacturing, food manufacturing, oil and gas, and some services uh, over the you know thirty years. So, tell us a little bit about RC mowers, what it is, what they do. Sure, I'm really excited about this because when I was down at GIE this past year, everything was about robotics and, and electric mowers and everything. So, I'm excited what you guys are doing and have over there. Yep. So, RC mowers were based in Wisconsin. We're a young company. We've been around about three years and we have one product line today and that is a remote operated or some people call it remote controlled mower. And these products are used for maintaining extreme landscapes. So a lot of times people think of using our products in really man-made situations. So not necessarily mountains, more like retention ponds dikes, levees, alongside of uh, bridges, for example. Anywhere where it's too steep or dangerous to put a man on a machine, oftentimes we find that our customers are using traditional equipment in an unsafe manner, right? And they've had an accident or a near miss, or they're doing the work by hand and it's just incredibly labor intensive. So our products can handle these extreme landscapes with ease, including wet areas. They have very low ground pressure and can handle wet conditions extremely well without getting stuck. Well, that's awesome. I personally have gone out and mowed retention ponds with a tractor and been buried many, many times. So it's, it's very cool to have something like that that can kind of skim across with a low pressure. 
And it probably does a less, little less damage to the, the surface below, correct? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things we see is very common is using equipment that's too heavy and it's damaging the turf, putting ruts in it. I was at a job site in um, Indianapolis. It was a, a dike system to protect the town and they were literally using an excavator and it was just completely tore up. So yeah, it's a lot easier on the turf. But I'll tell you, on retention ponds, the most common thing I hear is that somebody's using like a Steiner or Ventrac tractor, which you know are fine products, but they say they have two problems. They get stuck and they can only do 50% of the job because it's just too steep or too wet. And so 50% of the job is done by hand with string trimmers. Mm-hmm. So our products can do, you know, probably 90% of the work on our retention pond safely and efficiently. Yeah, we kind of fall in that category too. Our landscape business, our family landscape business also has a Ventrac and exactly the same thing. We bought it thinking we could do some of this stuff and you now we end up getting out the weed whackers and doing it all by hand and yeah. <laughs> takes a lot longer. So that's something that really separates the RC mower manufacturer from everybody else is just kind of doing quote unquote, the dirty work, correct? Yeah. So, you know, we're really a niche player, right? Uh, commercially in 2022, there'll be 385,000 commercial mowers sold, right? So it's a huge, huge number spread across, you know, about 20 players and largely, you know, they're all kind of the same. And I, I know somebody that's head of marketing for any of those companies would be, you know, would challenge me with those statements, but they're just mowers you ride on or stand on, right? They're all very, very similar. And that's fine, right? They People need those products, but that's a very big business, 385,000 machines. You know, we're, we're selling hundreds of machines in a year, not tens of thousands. So it's a, it's a very niche business, mm-hmm. which it, we like. We like very much. Absolutely. And that kind of leads us into today's conversation, which was actually talking about niching down and how you can actually do this for your landscape business or lawn care business. And that's exactly what the RC mowers is kind of made for. Yeah. So I see some landscapers niching down with our product intentionally, and I'll share a story or two, and some that do it accidentally. So there's a, a company in Mississippi. I think it's just a one-man show. Uh, the company is called Servant Mowing, and I don't really appreciate his background, but he, he loves mowing grass. He's passionate for it. He wanted to start this business and he said right away, I don't want to do what everybody else does. I don't want to have to be $10 cheaper just to get a job. And so he ended up buying one of our products and with no business lined up. And by the way, you know, they're not inexpensive. We're talking fifty to $65,000. So he spends, I don't know, $55,000. And I think within three months, he told me he had booked $130,000 worth of business for the year. And <laughs> A lot of these contractors are really averaging two to $250 per hour. Nice. So it's extremely profitable. And if you can do 130000 worth of work on a machine that costs 55000 you don't have to be really exceptionally gifted at math to figure <laughs> out that that works, right? Yep. So an accidental example is a company called Landscape Workshop. Some of your listeners may have heard of them. They're, they're not a tiny business. But one of their regional managers in Alabama, their crews were mowing a lot of HOAs with retention ponds and some outlots. And they were doing it with some machines, damaging the turf. Often it was too wet and they couldn't get in. And a tremendous amount of handwork. 
And he somehow found us, bought our product. And, you know, what he told us is he's just simply saving tens of thousands of dollars in labor. But what's neat, he's doing the same revenue, but a lot less labor. You know, one company I'm aware of had a crew of 12 people using string trimmers to handle those extreme areas in apartment complexes and a lot of um, retention ponds. And they had a staffing problem. Who wants to run a string trimmer in South Carolina for 10 <laughs> hours a day? I mean, I, let's, let's be honest. I don't want to do it, right? No. Nobody does. So they bought two of our machines. So they have two operators to run the remote control product and one person with a string trimmer. So they went from 12 people to three people, same revenue. And again, you don't have to be very good at math to figure that out. I've seen customers purposely purchase our products because they're frustrated with a highly competitive business and they want a higher margin, more profitable business. Others kind of got there by accident with a specific problem, see the benefit, and then they go find more work. And that's the other thing I'd say is there's incredible, and I call it hidden demand for this work. And the reason it's hidden is the product category is so new that the landowners aren't even asking for the services because they just assume that there's nothing available, right? Sure. You know, I think the Bobcat skid steer was introduced like in 1968, 1969, right? And so today we all know what a compact track loader is, right? Everybody knows what it is. You know, if you need to dig driveways or haul manure or whatever, it's a great product. But back in 1969, you had no idea, right? And I, I think the same is here as well is the innovators are seeing the land that they can take care of and then contacting the landowner, whether it's government or private, and saying, hey, I can fix that. Because if you start paying attention, the amount of overgrown retention ponds across America, they're everywhere. The town I'm from, they just went out and bought another machine called a Marshmaster, and they spent quite a bit of money on this thing. I know that. Yes. But it's only getting used a couple times. And I know it's through the government. I understand that. But it's something that if you are an independent person, you could have gone to the town and, and proposed this and perhaps save them quite a bit of money just for having you do this a couple times a year or, or, you know, depending on the circumstance. But I think it's something that you could do. And there's, like you said, there's a lot out there. And I know here, I'm in Indiana. There's a lot of retention ponds going. Every time a subdivision goes in, there's a retention pond going yep. in. So I'm sure it's like that across most of the nation, correct? Yeah, it, it is. And in fact, before I was in this business, I didn't understand it. You know, I have run into companies that are nationwide and they only maintain retention ponds. I just, I had no idea that there was such a thing. But, you know, a note on government, a lot of people think that the way to do business with the government is to wait for a bid. And I fundamentally disagree with that. That's the easiest way to sell commodity services. And because you only win if you're low priced, right? Mm -hmm. But I'll, I'll tell you a story. I, um, I was in North Carolina. We held an event and invited all kinds of people into watch our products being used. And the local, I don't know if it was the DOT or local county allowed us to use a stretch of road that was kind of steep and hard to mow. And the DOT was there. DOT wanted to buy our products, but their own internal systems would just, you know, bureaucracy take nine months. 
to get a product, but there was a contractor there that literally did a deal with them on the spot. They did a handshake deal and he literally did a handshake deal with us and bought a product right on the spot. Within three days, he had a PO from the state and a PO to us and boom, it all happened. And he had the machine paid for in 60 days. (laughs) And so, you know, if I was a landscaper and I would see these areas like a park call the director of parks, call the public works director and ask them, Hey, you know, how do you mow that? And they're going to say, well, we don't. Would you like to? Yeah. You know, once a year we trim it by hand, blah, blah, blah. Tell them you can do it. Give them a price. They will hire you. All you're doing is solving problems. But the, what you don't want to do is wait for them to come to you. You want to go to them and say, Hey, I can fix that. And they'll pay you. Yeah. Which by the way, Somebody asked me recently how to grow their business. I want to share with you what I said as a landscaper. I said, focus on the basics and we can come back to that, you know, like uh, do what you say you're going to do, return phone calls, good uniform, clean truck, all that stuff. Because people don't want to be embarrassed by the people doing the work for them, right? But what I told them is be an advisor, not a vendor. An advisor is an expert that provides solutions to problems. A vendor is the the guy with the briefcase sitting in the hallway waiting for somebody to tell him what they want. Now, at my house, I have had the same company take care of my property for eight years, okay? And every spring, I get a letter that lists all the services that they offer and the prices. In eight years, they have never once provided advice. And they're on the property more than I am. And they're on every square inch, Right. They're on a mower going all over the place. They have never sent me a proposal saying, hey, down by the fire pit, you've got a dead bush. I can replace it. Here's what I recommend. Here's the price. They've never said that the frost heaved up some edging and I can go fix it. I can go on and on and on. Not one time. And if you just took your existing portfolio, don't tell them the work you do. Give them advice. You'll add 20 to 50% more revenue, but it'll be highly profitable because it's all fee-based. No, absolutely. I, I agree with that. Whenever I'm out in a property looking at something and I come across something that we do, like just even add like downspout extensions or, you know, bubblers or whatever you want to call them. Hey, we can do that for you. You know, get this away from your house. You don't have to worry about, you know, flooding or anything. Just throwing yes. it out there. You don't make worst they say is no. Like, why can't you try? Yes. <laughs> yes. Now, I, th- I love this idea of niching down and, it can go in pretty much any avenue, whether you're doing lawn maintenance or landscaping. And I think it's mm-hmm. so important that, you know, everybody wants to be everything to everybody and, and do everything. And I get that to me. I, I understand that at the beginning because you're trying to figure out what you want to do, what you like. But I feel when you start finding something that you really enjoy doing and you start kind of focusing in on it, it makes things a lot easier in your business for as far as marketing and sales and training and everything. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, uh, totally agree. In fact, I think of a statement, uh, the power of a brand is inversely proportionate to its scope. In other words, the more narrow, the stronger the brand. Think of Starbucks coffee. Yeah, they sell some sandwiches and stuff, but they do coffee. Mm-hmm. And I think of the landscaper that does my work. And, you know, look, they're good guys. I like them. But they just give me a menu and the menu literally has everything. And it's kind of like, let's imagine you're in a city and pop by, you see a restaurant and it says chicken 
Chinese kebabs and burgers. So do you think you're going to walk in there and get the best kebab? I mean, do you think you're going to get the best burger? Probably not, you know, because they do lots of things. You know, mowing, I believe, according to the national data, is about half the revenue in the landscape business. And they say that it's typically done, you know, as a as a break even. And I, I think it's challenging, too, is that most people get in this business and they're experts at the craft, but they're not experts at business. And they don't understand, you know, what does it really cost me to run a crew of mowers for a week? I think that's hard for some people to really understand. Um and, and also businesses, when they start, they have a fear of failure. And so they have a bias towards low cost because they're afraid of not getting the work. And really, you don't want the low cost work because it's not profitable. You want somebody that absolutely values your work and is willing to pay you for it. But I would say that the mowing revenue, and I'm not a landscaper, right? I'm just on the outside looking in. I would say the mowing revenue, based on what I know, should be treated like a fishing license, right? It's It doesn't mean you have fish. It just means you can go fishing. And what the mowing does, though, is it allows you to have a weekly interaction with somebody that has money that can pay you. And it allows you to demonstrate expertise and that you do what you say you're going to do. When you say you're going to be there Tuesday at 10 o'clock, you are there at 10 o'clock. You know, when, when you say you're going to leave a clean job site, you always do it. And so you can't be an advisor unless you demonstrate it, right? And once you demonstrate those basics, they will hire you to do the other stuff that is fee-based. And by the way, you know, I, I don't know if this is something you talk about. When I say fee-based, you should never, ever sell anything by the hour with very rare exceptions. So if you're going to replace that edging, you say that's going to be $925. Fixed fee, because if you tell me, well, it's going to be $85 an hour and $276 for material. Now, two things, I compare your hourly rate to mine. And as a landscaper, you know, honestly, I'm going to be targeting a few hundred dollars an hour. And you probably have listeners that think I'm insane, but I'm telling you, if you think small, you're going to be small. If you think the most you're capable of is $80 an hour, that's the most you're going to achieve. And you really can achieve two, two fifty an hour or more by selling fees because what you want me to do is just quickly think, hmm, is it worth fixing that for $900? Yeah, it is because I don't know how to do it or I know how to do it. That's the last thing I want to do. I'm busy. I'm not interested. And if I say no, fine, move on. You're going to have two thirds of it. You're going to get rejected. It's fine. Accept it. I agree with 100% on that. This is something I see a lot of people do is they charge per hour. I'm going out and charging per hour for mowing or you know whatever it is, any type of landscape work. And no, 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 don't do that. And I always like give them a lump sum, whatever it is. Like you said, $925. Yep. That's what it is. People will say, well, like, you know, everybody wants a breakdown. They want a breakdown. Well, here's, I'm going to provide you edging and I'm gonna provide you mulching and two trees or whatever it is. That's as much of the breakdown I'm giving you. I'm not breaking down my labor. I'm not breaking down the materials separate, but that's how I feel. I would say if you give a proposal for somebody to replace edging and it just says replace, you know, a number of feet of edging down by the fire pit or some sort of description with same material, it's all you need. Yep. And if somebody wants to know what is the material cost, what is the labor cost, that's a red flag that they're not a fit. And you just have to comfortably say, look, this is how we do our proposals. Let me know if you want, to, want us to do it and move on. Don't apologize for it. It's okay. 
Okay. You're not there to make friends. Doesn't mean to be a jerk, right? But you're not there to make friends and you're there to run a business and that's how you run a business. I personally have had this where a person is, you know, well, I want to know the breakdown. I'm sorry. That's just our policy. That's how we give our bids and feel free to look on somebody else if you need to. But here's the other thing you can and should tell people. Say, look, this, this is how we do it. But part of our commitment to you is that is what it's going to cost. So if we get into this job and we hit a bunch of rock and it takes way longer than we thought, that is your price. And it's guaranteed for whatever the guarantee is. And again, you don't have to apologize for it. You don't have to adjust for somebody else. It is what it is. And and by the way, when you think you need to change how you do business for your customer, just ask yourself, are they interested in making your house payment? They don't care about you. They just they just don't. Right. And I'm not suggesting you talk to people that way, but that is the reality. It, it's a business. It's just a business. And you're doing it to make money and get a return on your investment. And, you know, frankly, if you're selling stuff at 60, 70, 80 dollars an hour today, it's a job, not a business. I had a coaching call with somebody the other day and last year they're charging somebody 15 dollars an hour. And I'm like, you can't be making any, that was for himself to go out and do the work. I'm like, what did you want to make? I'm like, you have to remember there's labor burden and all the other additional costs, the overhead and everything else. That's what you're charging. He's like, yeah, I didn't make any money. Well, there's, <laughs> there's a reason why you're not making money. Let's, let's work on this. <laughs> yeah. I think there's a natural fear of failure that drives low pricing, but also confidence. You know, I, I was, conducting a training recently to a bunch of salespeople. And uh, I said, how much do you want to make? What's your goal? And it was really surprising that a few of them would just be tickled pink to make 80 to 100 grand. And I'm like, why not 300? Which sounds crazy to maybe to some of your listeners, but I'm telling you the audience I was talking to and the industry they were in, that people in the top 20% make two, 300,000 a year. Well, do you want to be in the bottom 20 or top 20? And so you have to believe it and really ask yourself, are you delivering great products, right? Do you show up on time, which is a product? Do you do what you say you're going to do, which is a product? Do you leave a clean, spotless job site? Do you leave it better than you found it? Like if there's trash out there, pick it up, right? Leave it better than you found it. Don't apologize for your pricing. And if you do that and it's $900 and you replace my edging, and I'm, I, I no longer have to look at this annoyance or be embarrassed when I have people over. And there's no dirt through my yard. There's no dirt in my driveway. All the pieces and debris are picked up and swept up. If the driveway got dirty, it got washed off. And you said you're going to be there on Tuesday and you were. It's worth 900 bucks or whatever the number is, right? No, absolutely. I think what you said earlier about being confident, that's huge. And that's to me, a lot of it, when you understand your numbers and know what you have to charge, that gives you the confidence to walk away from that job or that client that says, I need it cheaper. I want a discount. You know how low you can go. And you have that confidence to say no and walk away and move on and go on to the next customer. Yeah. I met a consultant years ago that he advised businesses. He called the minimum profit. He called that survival net income. Before that, I kind of thought that breaking even was survival. He's like, nope, we need 15% of gross profit to go to the bottom line just to survive. And I thought, wow, that's that's really good. And, and he also preached confidence because one of the common things he found is just not understand pricing and pricing way too low, being too apologetic. 
You know, there's this fear about hourly rates and stuff like that. And by the way, you know, auto shops figured this out years and years ago with the development of flat rate labor. So rather than, you know, giving you an estimate of, well, we think it's going to be three hours, they give you a fixed fee estimate and the mechanic, so they get a percentage of the income. It doesn't matter if it takes an hour or four hours, the shop and the mechanic get paid the same. Guess what? the well-run shops, the mechanic is working a 40-hour week and billing 50, 60 hours. And the mechanics are making 150000 a year, 200000 a year. The shop's making more money. They call it flat rate labor, but it's just fixed fee. That's all Very it is. true. So I guess kind of circling back to the niching down, do you have any suggestions for a, a company that's you know thinking that they shouldn't niche down or you know what, what steps should they take? Yeah. So the first step is you got to have a conversation with yourself. I think you got to ask yourself, do you want to be unique or just like everybody else? And whenever I ask that question, I hear people say, I want to be unique. Okay. Well, you can't be unique if you act like everybody else, right? So you got to have that conversation and say, okay, I want to be unique. Then the other thing is what I've noticed is when people have an aha moment that they're going to do things differently. There's also this guilt of all the years I've spent doing it the wrong way. Everybody deserves an apology. Give yourself an apology and move on, right? So you got a clean slate. And then I would say, look at your product and service portfolio and what are you really good at and what do you love? And is there something there that you can focus on that can be higher profit. Maybe you already have it, but you're just not charging enough, right? And then I would also look for new businesses that align with your business that you can get into like the products that we sell. Now, I'm sure there's lots of other specialty services that I'm just not aware of, but I have firsthand experience dozens of times of landscapers paying for these machines and, you know, three months to 12 months, charging two to 250 an hour. I mean, that's a very, very good niche business, right? I would also say less is more. I think too many businesses try to say yes to everything and really understand what you love to do and what's profitable and what you're good at and just exit stuff. So like my landscaper was here yesterday turning on my sprinkler system and he's gifted at it right? Like that's the only reason I still employ him. But you know what he told me? This is his last summer mowing lawns. He said, we're just walking away from it. It's just not profitable enough. But he's sticking with the sprinklers and some other specialty things. Now, I don't understand the economics of those things, but what he's doing is exactly what you're talking about. He's identifying what he's good at, what is more profitable, fewer headaches. And I'm not saying exit mowing, okay? Lawns still need to be mowed. And that might be for a lot of listeners, the foundation that gets you to sell lots of stuff. Like at my house, I'm just one person, but you could mow my lawn at break even and fertilize, take care of all the trees. Every year there's dead plants, every year. I've got a big property and just take care of them, but they, they never volunteer it. And so I just go do it on my own, right? <laughs> but if you, if you just gave me a proposal, I'd do it, right? I can't be the only one. No, there's tons of opportunities out there just in the lawn maintenance. Like we kind of used 
lawn maintenance just to kind of get into the property to sell additional services and do other things. And yes, you kind of break even or you're making a little bit of money on the lawn maintenance, but the upsells you can get them on is a big industry. Yeah, it's a fishing license, you know. So I'd summarize it by first thing is you got to focus on the basics, return calls and emails quickly. It's not your competitors are not doing that. And do what you say you're going to do. If you say you're going to be there at 10, you be there at 10. If you say you're going to call tomorrow, you call tomorrow. If you say your proposal is going to be there Thursday, focus on those basics. Deliver an amazing experience every time you do business. That means you got great looking vehicles. They don't have to be new, but they're clean. They're not rusty. They're not noisy. Your people look great. They're not walking around with no shirts on. They're not peeing in the backyard, right? (laughs) You know, a very tight system. Get those basics in place. And then I think look at your existing portfolio of services. What do you love? What are you really, really great at? And can you do more of that at a higher price? I'd also say take my advice on be an advisor, not a vendor. So every one of your clients, go to their properties right You know, in the next week or two. Spend an hour walking the entire property and assess it. What does it need? And give them a proposal. And don't just put it in the mailbox. Go talk to them and say, you know, Mr. Customer, I just was... Spend a lot of time here. We're trying to do, tell them the truth. We're trying to do a better job of being advisors. We haven't done that. Here's what I've noticed on your property. Boom, boom, boom. And itemize each major thing because some people, it might be too much, right? Some people just don't want to pay a surprise $4,000 landscaping bill, right? But the edging is embarrassing. It's 1200 bucks. Yep, I'll do that now. Let a month go by. I'll replace that tree, right? And then I would say explore Products and services you can add like extreme landscape mowing, you know, ditches, you know, uh, retention ponds, things like that. You probably know better than I some other services that are, you know, really niche, more lower competition that are, you know, more profitable. I don't know what they might be, uh, but I'm sure there's a lot of them. And honestly, a lot like just in our area here, just looking around, some of the companies that are doing probably the best are just specialized in one or two things like a landscape lighting or, or just like you said, irrigation, just those, that's all they do. Yeah. And then we sub out our work to them for the irrigation or whatever, but they're killing it. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Landscape lighting would be a great one. Also think about some hardscape stuff. You know, people really want to spend more time outside. There's tons of things out there. And I, I agree with you. Just find something that you love. That's personally what we did. And it really helped us. And I just know it It just makes everything so much easier. Like we said, the branding, the training, because your crews can know exactly what to do every single time. You're not, oh, we're going to do this this week. And next week, we're going to do something else. You have to retrain them everything. It's just, it's a lot of work, a lot of work. Yeah. The one way to be great at anything is practice. And if you, you know, if you do the same thing over and over, you get really good at it. You mind just talk a little bit more about RC mowers and. Sure. So. Our expertise is robotics, and I wasn't part of the original founders, but we started simply by seeing somebody else doing something similar, and we thought, wow, that's neat. It's unique. Hardly anybody is doing it, but they don't have the expertise we do. And so we thought we could build uh, a better product from um, more like a robotic technology reliability perspective, and, and we did. And we have no desire ever to be in the regular mower business because it's really, it's it's not quite a commodity, but it's high volume, low margin. And that's not really our thing. Our our thing is robotics. 
So we developed this remote controlled slope mower, which is super successful for us, but it's a niche business, right? It's never going to be really large and we're happy with that. But like I mentioned earlier, our expertise is robotics. And so what we are introducing this fall is a fully autonomous commercial mower. So the idea is to take a two or three person mowing crew and replace it with one person. So you have one operator that shows up at a job site, deploys one robot, deploys another, deploys another. They're monitoring them as they work, doing the string trimming, blowing off sidewalks. And then when the robots are done, they drive themselves to the trailer then you manually load them, tie them down, and move on to the next job. And so these products will address the number one challenge that landscape companies have, and that's labor availability. We have talked to a lot of landscapers that say that they can get the work, but they can't get the labor. Mm-hmm. That they're really struggling to grow. Getting the work is easy, but the labor is a problem. So we think that this can help with some growth and really give the early adopters uh, a competitive advantage. And so we're introducing that this fall. I've personally operated the product, very happy with it. And I'm extremely confident that this is going to be a big hit. And this was something that was huge at the GIE this year. Like there was all kinds of robotic mowers out there everywhere. And there's all kinds of different things and different factors. So before we actually got on the show, Tim and I were talking about that. And it, there's a lot of different things you'd need to look at when you're looking at the manufacturers for, for these products is having multiple uses. Like their product, you can actually ride the mower too and act like a normal mower if you needed to, which I think is huge because there's some that I saw that were out there. That's it. It's just a robotic mower and that's it. Yeah. So there's really two categories of robotic mowers. And, and a lot of times in the media, they're kind of lumped together, but there's really two categories. There's the smaller ones that stay on a job right? That a homeowner buys or leases and it mows the lawn all the time, kind of like a a Roomba for the lawn, right? That's one product category, which we are not doing. Our product, you know, I I don't have any photos to share, but, but unless you know what you're looking for, looks just like a zero turn. There's some components on it that if you pay attention, you're like, what is that? Or why do you have that big box back there? But it looks like a zero turn. And so as soon as you sit on it, as soon as it senses a human, the robot is completely disabled and it runs like a regular mower. And its purpose is to replace human operators. And look, I just want to hit the, you know, you're taking our jobs kind of thing. But, you know, here's what I say to that. People don't want to do the work, number one. So we're, we're not taking jobs, we're filling openings. Uh, I was just talking to a director of park systems in Utah he said he's at 14% employment. That means if he needs to hire 100 people, he's got 14. Can't get the staff. So we're really replacing the labor. And the other thing I'd say to the naysayers that think we're you know, stealing jobs, it just tends not to be the case. You know, Do you want to progress or not? You know, There was a time when we cut ice out of lakes. People had <laughs> jobs to do that, and that's how we kept food cold. Well, you know... With that logic, we should go back to that. But so do we want to progress? Yes or no. And also, when I was in high school, CNC machines were brand new. And the most common way to mill something was by hand. Well, those people in today's dollars would make $15, $16 an hour. Now a CNC machinist makes $40 an hour. So I think we're going to see 
the bottom end wages, the operators that run these products, they're going to go up because the landscaper is going to be able to do that. And by paying more, you're going to get higher quality workforce, lower turnover, fewer personal problems, all those things. So I think it's going to be great for everybody involved. Absolutely. And just the labor issue doesn't seem to be going away anytime soon. So (laughs) having a solution like this is huge. (laughs) <laughs> no, and I I don't profess to understand what's going on with the labor situation, but coast to coast in every industry, there's a labor problem. Truck drivers, nurses. I'm in a lot of airports and it is astonishing how many businesses in the airports are closed and it's because they don't have labor. They're busier than they ever have. I can't tell you how many times I'm in, I was recently in Northern Alabama, a little small town restaurant sign in the door says we're closing tonight at 830 due to staff. All the time I see that. I don't know why, but there's something unique going on. Yeah, I'm not sure either, but it's, we have to look for other solutions and something like your mowers, it it can help resolve that. I, I know other landscape contractors, they're actually getting more attachments for their machines and other attachments that kind of take the place of a human. Like they're using excavators and now have the compactors and, and can lift the, the, the stones and stuff right in place without having extra personnel to do it just yes. because they have to. So yes. we have to look at other solutions. Yeah. I really love this idea of the, the robotic mowers and, and actually having the uh, mowers for the slopes and stuff just to kind of niche down. I think it's, it's huge and just a, a great alternative for the landscapers out there. They probably don't even know it's out there or available. Most don't. And I'll tell you about 90% of the transactions we do where the buyer buys a product until they were marketed to or had a salesperson call on them, they had no idea the category existed. They're not searching for it. Just like nobody was looking for a Bobcat in 1969, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Nobody knew it existed or or today, you know, we all have these, right? These <laughs> phones with screens that do all this stuff. But in 2005, you weren't looking for one because nope. you didn't even know it was possible. So, And this is the same thing. So it'll take us a little while to have, um, you know, broader awareness, but it's coming. We're doing very well. We are just absolutely overwhelmed with uh, the volume. That's great. So Tim, do you mind sharing where people can go to find a little bit more about RC Mowers and yourself? Sure. Absolutely. Uh, Best place to go is our website, rcmowersusa.com. All the social media channels, you know, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, same handle, rcmowersusa.com. But from our website, you can send us emails, call us, and uh, we'll call you right away. We'll actually put the link. You'll you'll see it on the screen. We'll put it in the show notes. So definitely go check it out, guys. If you're looking to niche down, and this might be a solution for you just to kind of handle the well employee issue or or get you another and and by the way i appreciate for a smaller landscaper of sixty thousand dollar investment in a product like ours is you know it's a big decision not only will we come to you to conduct a demonstration our products come with a 30-day money-back guarantee so if at 30 days you don't love it you lose confidence you're afraid full refund no questions asked that's awesome and guess what? We don't get them back. That's that's a good good rate there. Yeah. Well, Tim, I appreciate you being on the show. Is there anything else you'd like to add or no, share? No, enjoyed it very much. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Tim. I appreciate it. And we'll be talking to you soon, guys. So definitely go check out RC Mowers USA. Might be something that you can uh, take advantage of. All right, guys. 
Have a great one and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Hey everyone, just want to thank you again for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's podcast, we do ask you for one quick favor. Could you please head over to iTunes and leave us a review? A five-star review is even better, but it helps us get our rankings up and help us spread our message. 